That's right, you geeks. Welcome into the Echo Screen, the official podcast of the Clan of the Gray Wolf. As always, I am your host, the Commodore. Ding dong. That's better. I like that. that yeah. At least you came on in on cue. Thank you. And and with me is the always fully legally compliant Rue. Rue, how are you doing today? I'm good. It's good to see people. I'm dressed. Well, we're both dressed fancy today. We actually got collared shirts and crap. I know. Yeah, but my, mine is totally screwing up the video because you're never supposed to wear lines on video. But yeah, thanks a lot. That's okay. Yeah, I know. So people are like out there going, what the? It's like we work but anyway. or something. Hey, everybody yeah. in Hi. the chat. How are you? Yeah. Good. The chat is up and running. Oh, man, we got a lot of people joining the chat. That's that's phenomenal. We love to see that happening. Mm -hmm. So, folks, we have a show tonight that is um, I think it's a good one. And we haven't even I mean, started yet. It's to be determined yet, but but I think it's going to be a good one. Um, we're going to talk about DRM, which happens to be a pretty big topic across the gaming world right now. You might have heard a little something about it in the in the news recently with a small release um, that came out, what was it, just yesterday, SimCity? Mm -hmm. You, might, you uh, might be hearing everyone on Twitter complaining about it every five seconds. Correct. So if you, if you are on Twitter or on Facebook with your gamer friends, then you have undoubtedly heard something about this. Or if you check your, your favorite game blog, I'm sure you've seen something about it. We're going to talk about DRM tonight. We're gonna, that is the topic du jour, the topic of the day, if you will. Mm, and I'll have I'll that. Have that. <laughs> Big gulps, huh? Well, see you later. Um, we're definitely going to talk about SimCity as part of the DRM bit. So We're going to talk so hard about SimCity. I'll talk about that in a bit. Don't worry. Yeah. yeah. So uh, along with that, we're going to do what we normally do, which is break the, the show into three distinct parts. The first part is what we call the TNB section. That's the tids and bits. Uh-huh. Tibbles and bits. The, the tibbles and bits. I should, which we should call means, that. <laughs> we, should, we should just start calling it that for no reason. We should change it every single episode. Right, exactly. Oh, um, oh, hey, Google user one, which is a very, very generic name. I like that. Yep. Um, is asking. No, 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 he is the first user that ever used Google. I don't know if you know that. Tony Stark. No, he's not Tony Stark. Oh. He's the first user that ever used. Just go ahead. Where are you going with this? Okay, and we will define DRM when we get to that point of the show. Don't worry. Uh, right. But Google user one brings up an excellent point. Can we PM you, uh, uh, our message, you the, our questions? No. Yes. Of course you can. So how would but someone see, do this that? Is, this, is the, this, this is what happens in, a, in an introduction, guys. I got to get to that part. <laughs> so the first part is the T and B, the tids and bits. We talk about news and notes, things we think you should know. But the second part of the show but if is someone, yeah. Okay, sorry, you could. I, I'm interrupting you now. Go ahead. Is the topic du jour? I'll it's the to. topic of the day. We've already covered that as yeah. DRM. And lastly, we have the third part of the show, which is the Q and A part of the show. And which, if someone wanted yes. to send you a question, how would they do that? Well, all they have to do is click my name. That is Commodore 128 up in the upper right hand corner of the chat room. You will find it there. Click my name and click PM as in private message and send your question there because all questions that are sent in private uh, message will be at least red, if not red on the air. Maybe even blue uh, or green. It, it Potentially. Red. Uh, but only if you are really savvy with IRC. In any case, uh, don't ask questions in the chat. Ask them in the PM. That's that's great. I've already got a lot of questions already lining up. People are veterans of the show. They know what's going down. They're queuing those questions up right off the bat. That's awesome. Yep. So that's the format. That's how we're gonna. That's how we're gonna go after it as we always do. 
Let's get to the T and B. The right. Tibbles of this. So, what do you got for news and notes today? Uh, well, something I saw that I thought was pretty interesting yesterday was a piece on Gama Sutra. Yep. My one of my favorite just gaming websites in general. It's it's ostensibly for the uh, you know the business and like developer side of video games, but uh, it's really interesting for everybody. Everyone should read it. And yeah, um, Sutra is phenomenal. It's great. And uh, they were talking about a. Uh, a digital Stanford Stanford is going to digitally archive a collection of fifteen approximately fifteen thousand video games, um, and they're actually doing this with the help of the National Institute of Standards and Technology or NIST, which I find fascinating because they normally do things like make sure that everyone's weights and balances weights are and measures and, and yeah time you know, photometry yeah. spheres are correctly reading lumen output and things like that. Um, oh yeah, time too. But anyway, but uh, basically, it's going to be a two-year effort they're estimating, and this is actually the Stephen. I'm going to get this wrong. The Stephen Cabernetti collection. Maybe I did get that. That was, right. that was pretty good stab. I thought you did pretty good there. Thank you. And right. uh, for those, I didn't know who this was actually. Stephen Cabernetti was a um, person. You didn't who, know Stephen personally. I didn't, unfortunately. Oh, okay. He lived from 1966 to 1995, so he died fairly young, and I'm not sure exactly what of. But uh, hmm. he was a private collector of software uh video game software and uh basically console computer you know all sorts uh that he started collecting since he was a teenager until he died and that's over fifteen thousands of fifteen thousands of pieces fifteen thousand pieces that his family donated to stanford uh in, cool in 98 and they've kind of been very cool and they've been kind of sitting on it for a while and this is uh -huh. fascinating because this is part of a um panel that uh we both saw last year at pax east having to do with video game preservation Huge topic. And uh, actually, uh, the people who put that on, ACAM, the American Classic Arcade Museum. That sounds right. Um, yep. In New Hampshire. in Beautiful New Hampshire. Um, are actually putting on uh, a very similar panel again this year at PAX East. And I'll be a part of that. So if you're coming Isn't to PAX cool? East, you should come and the, watch that. The, the student becomes the master. Only the master of evil. <laughs> that's true i didn't even think about that but yes yes um so, so what they're going to do is they're, they're going to digitally archive all of these games and uh also take digital photography of the packaging and, and paperwork and stuff like that so you know time. what's cool we've talked several times about this and, and in several in lots of different places right i mean we've talked about this on the show before we talked about i talked about this on the weekly ringer i think there should be some kind of registry that goes with if not software itself, I, I would really, I mean, software is kind of a different, you know, amorphous kind of term, mm. but games, which I know is just as equally amorphous, don't get me wrong, but I'd love to see games kind of collected and put into a registry that is nationally held that, uh, that archives, even if not just the best, which is only a place to start, kind of everything. So the people could look it up, they could kind of understand what kind of things went into them, those kinds of things, right? Mm -hmm. And this seems like a kind of a, a beginning to that, right? A, a good place to start. It does. Also, random note, I like how people in chat are talking about the death of Hugo Chavez, and we're here talking about video games, people. Focus on what's important. Yeah, like like I give a crap about a dictator dying. <clears throat> I mean, what's going on? Uh, but uh, actually, no, you're seeing more of this lately, and this is why I this is great. You know, you got the Video Game History Museum, which is a little bit more console-centric, but still everything. And then, of course, we've had ACAM in, in uh, existence for a while. We, those guys are awesome, and we had a yep. good time with them down at the Escapist Expo a few months ago. Absolutely. 
half a year ago. And uh, it feels like it, but it wasn't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so you're seeing more nonprofits and, and even Honest Guy Museums have an interest in preserving this history, which is great because this software is not going to stick around forever, even in the hardware form. I mean, you got things like actually cartridges, which hold data in uh, more of a solid state format. They're in chips and things like that. ROM, mm -hmm. ROM chips and things like that are a little bit more you know strong they're they're going to last a little bit longer than things like cds or sure. magnetic tape but uh, regardless still the, the amount of time on those is yeah. significant it's yeah, yeah it's not very long i mean you got bit rot and things like that they're gonna wipe these things out within a few decades at most yep. so Absolutely. it's good that someone's digitizing such things digitizing yes you know what i think is cool is the idea that <clears throat> these things should be preserved and that there is a, a desire to do so for kind of the public, right? Mm -hmm. You know, because I think it's it's cool if it's a kind of a, of a, of a, a I guess, of, 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 of the video game industry thing kind of doing it, right? Um, For-profit industries, those kinds of things. I think that's one piece. But the idea that this is kind of starting as a way to have these games available for the public, I think is really cool. Oh yeah, and you've had sites like Abandonia, kind of. I love Abandonia. I think yeah. it's a great site. I mean, abandonware is not a real term. There's no magic set of time. Well, I guess there is technically for like trademark purposes and things like that. But right, a lot of games up there have not actually lapsed into the public right domain for all intents and purposes though uh, yeah for, but it's, you can't it's, even determine who the actual owner might be you gotta have a lot of old dos games and things like that by companies that don't even exist anymore and if it wasn't right. for sites like that making it available good old games is another one that actually makes these old games playable easily on modern computers so there's good old games is awesome and oh, if you want to if you want to see a little more about that discussion then check out the weekly ringer the latest weekly ringer weekly ringer 91 where i talk about um good old games and what I think, how I think that affects some of the things that Sony has put up there as being their backwards compatibility, which is this, their streaming idea. In any case, True story. this is something that's very fresh on gamers' minds. It's, uh, I think it's a good start. Yes. So we'll, we'll, we'll see where this goes. It, they've been sitting on it for, you know, what, 10 years now? So it's, it's about time, I guess. Uh, 15. Oh, so there you go. <laughs> oh, this is 15. Okay. Wow. <clears throat> yeah. All right. Let's, What's All right, so I'm going to move into something else that I wanted yeah. to talk about, which is a little more meta. Please do. Um, so, oh, sorry. Before go we go on, Triple yep. Ten X is saying, "What is considered digitizing or digital digitalizing?" It's a great question. I'm curious what the difference between this and ROMs are. Well, actually, ROMs. Yeah, that's basically what it is. It's just they're they're basically ripping the data off of the whatever medium it's on, and they're going to store it uh, in a central server, probably a few different ones, and you know, as I noticed when people started talking about archival terminology, mm -hmm. there's a lot of hesitation and a lot of um, I, I think there's actually a lot of misused terminology that's, sure. that's resident here because people have been it's been so ingrained in us how evil emulation is when emulation is kind of a part of our everyday life. The biggie. Uh, so, you know, it's it's a it's a tough thing to kind of there's the big difference between piracy archival purposes and emulation right mm -hmm. and those things have very they have virtually nothing to do with each other um and you know it's a good question i don't know how these things get stored but i hope they get stored in a way that they're resurrectable 
many, many years from now. Let's just put it that way. Mm-hmm. So here's something I was going to talk about. I was going to talk about, so I think all of us that at least came <clears throat> onto the internet in the late 90s and early 2000s remember that Microsoft got their, their hand slapped by the government because they got pee whacked. They got pee whacked. You yes. know why they got pee whacked? Why is that? They said, you, Microsoft, we're going to whack your pee pee. I do remember this. This isn't because, yeah, you remember this. And Bill Gates was like, I don't know. But because uh, he still was with the company then. Uh, they said, it's look, he's spending all his money. You, we're going to slap your pee pee because you can't put Internet Explorer as the only and default browser mm-hmm. that comes on your Microsoft Windows operating system, which at that point was like, you know, 90% of all the computers in the world. Well, let's, were be, running. let's be honest. Isn't it kind of still? No. Really? Was it 87%? Well, it depends on what you call a computer. <laughs> I'm ser- and I- I'm dead serious. And the reason why I'm you. saying that is because when you look at PC sales now, and this is this is what this is what blows my mind. The whole reason people started calling things PCs um, in the '90s was because the idea of a PC, which was before an Apple, an Apple was the best PC you could buy, right? They decided that was going to be the distinction between Apple and PC or Mac and PC, right? And now, all every Apple iPad sold at anywhere is considered a PC. How ironic is that? True. Yet everyone anyway. and most people are carrying. I mean, not most people, but a lot of people are carrying basically small computers in their pockets. But we all just refer to them as phones. I was thinking about that the other day. It's kind of weird, but exactly yeah. it's it's kind of a cultural shift anyway yeah J- jsc is bringing us back to the point here he says isn't that lawsuit like 15 years old right now it's just about it I, is i think it's when it started it's just about 15 years old here's what's interesting about it so the the government and the eu actually made determinations of rules that microsoft was supposed to follow as a result of their penalty okay mm-hmm. as a result of them breaking the law and being um or antitrust violations and what was determined this week was that Microsoft did not follow their part in complying with those regulations. Basically, they ignored and therefore, it. And therefore, they owe a crap ton of money to the tune of 561 million euros, $731 million, of which Microsoft has already said they take full responsibility and will not appeal the decision. So what do you think about this? Man, I don't know. I got to tell you. So when Microsoft was running the universe back then, mm-hmm. and let's be honest, they weren't ever really running the universe. It just seemed that way because they made software that went on everything. But really, at the end of the day, guys, the only reason Microsoft even existed was because of IBM. I mean, come on. Anyway, well, the point is... Yeah. I mean, this is part of a bigger discussion about... <clears throat> The place of antitrust and whether or not company i mean because companies are ephemeral right they're gonna it's a tough thing to define and now that's my point now i see that that headline today and i go what the are you kidding me like yeah. it's like picking, it's like picking, it's like picking on atari for uh antitrust violations from the early 80s or something exactly it's, it seems bad, like you're so. just kicking them in the face for no reason and and the reason it's not even for me the age of the lawsuit that's the problem. The problem with me is the fact that no one uses Internet Explorer anymore. Well, Outside yeah, and, and that's because people have become smarter uh, consumers. They know and to because download. Because there are more options. And, and more maybe options. also because 
Microsoft had to follow rules because I think most of the people that still use Internet Explorer use it because it's the incumbent browser on their desktop. Maybe, maybe. Who, who, who out there in the chat? I want to see. Well, who these, out? These there are smart people. Uses, uses IE for any reason other than the fact that it was your default browser. I can tell. I want to know who out there used it. I will be amazed if we have even five people. Hold on. I'm not talking about using Internet Explorer in general. I'm talking about using an Internet Explorer, even though, or despite the fact that it's your, for some reason other than it's just the one that, that's on your mm. computer. And I'll bet you nobody, look, we're, we're, all these answers, Chrome, Firefox, all these people, they're coming out, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, the beard, the beard Ninja's using CompuServe. <laughs> that's a good one. I like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, no one does, right? No one does. The only people that use IE are people that use IE specifically for the reason that Microsoft got tagged with the lawsuit, which is that it is the incumbent browser on the, the PC when it gets launched. Okay. You want to know, and, you wanna know some yeah. real statistics here? Okay, go ahead. I'm using uh, – I, I, have, I have secret access. I'm, I'm giving out trade secrets here. I'm looking at uh, some stats for RetroWare TV. Oh, boy. Um, because they bring in a lot more people than our never-updated site. Right. Uh, of the visitors we, we there, 37% use Chrome. Yeah. This is over the past month, by the way. 37% yep. use Chrome. 36.7% use Firefox. So neck and neck. neck really neck and neck. 13% use Safari. 8.8% use Internet Explorer. Now, granted, people who visit... RetroWareTV.com are extraordinarily are intelligent people. They're savvy. That's exactly right. Yeah, they but, know what they're doing. So, so that's not exactly you know indicative of the population. Not a whole, surprise but at it, all whatsoever. But it does kind of highlight how silly this all seems. Years and years later, they're getting slammed yeah. for a lot of money. How much? They're getting slammed for a ton of money, and I don't even know. What, what, they're but my problem is, and this is, <laughs> it, it makes no sense technically. My reasoning behind this is not technically sound at all. It's not logical at all. All I can tell you is that Microsoft is already losing the browser war in a hardcore kind of way, right? Mm -hmm. And now they're getting sued, or not sued, now they're getting fined. Even though they're losing the browser war like crazy, they, they haven't had the best browser in the world for a long time, for an entire generation now, and now they're getting kicked by this? It just It's like, what? Why didn't you find them 10 years ago? You know, it just doesn't make any sense. Anyway, I just thought that was interesting. Nobody uses Internet Explorer anymore. I think as as a um, nobody as a serious browser, um, you know, a lot of us, myself included, use it as a Plan B. So a lot of sites still don't have compatibility with Chrome and, and Firefox. And so if something doesn't work, I automatically kick up IE and use that to connect. And usually it does work because most you know most sites are are used are are built for IE. Yes, and I use it for. I use IE6 for the 54-bit websites. Right, right. <laughs> IE6, the the uh, the great bastion of internet browsing. Don't don't argue with the first Google user. No, don't argue. He, with he that. knows exactly what's going on. He or knows, she, yeah, he or she knows exactly what's going on. It might be a dog. All right, so I, I'm tired of this. Let's move on to the freaking DRM category. Wow. I, I want to know what's going we're on. We're actually on time today. We're 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 on time. Nice. We're moving. The show has got flow. And not the one from Progressive. Mm. 
You would like that, wouldn't you? You'd no, like that. she's not attractive. I'm sorry. I mean, she's. I didn't say she was attractive, but she, you I mean, like she, her. You like I, her. I don't like her. I. I what, you, what are you talking? About? You like her. I think she would be good on the show. I've heard her fake radio show on the commercials, and it's pretty good. Aggressive. Ding. See, you've heard it too. That's all I know. So anyway, let's get to the topic du jour. That is the topic of the day. And today that is DRM. Yes. What what is DRM, uh, Commodore? Please tell me this. So. Eludicate me. Yeah, let me me see if I can. Let me just shorten this as fast as I can. So DRM stands for Digital Rights Management. Mm -hmm. I have my, my facts correct. And it is. It, it, it basically works for anti-piracy measures taken in digital media mm-hmm. to keep people from copying or otherwise distributing material that they don't have the rights to. Right. Okay, that works. And it's something that's been around for a very long time in very yeah. many, many different forms. All kinds of different forms. Um, but we've <laughs> seen some of these forms evolve over time. You know, it could be just copy protection that's written onto a disc, for example. It could be DRM MP3s that were sold on iTunes that you could only have on a singular device and wouldn't work unless you unlock them somewhere else. Um, It could be what's evolved to a kind of contemporary concept, Mm -hmm. which is the always-on DRM, the idea that... In order to validate that you have a legal copy of a game, you basically have to connect via the internet and always be connected via the internet to play a game. And not to play it multiplayer, to play it single player, to mm-hmm. play it in any way, shape, or form. And pretty famously, this happened about a year ago with Diablo 3. Yes. <clears throat> there were problems with the servers, and people rioted a bit. And quite um, predictably, similar things are happening now with SimCity, which just was released by EA. Uh, which is pretty stringent on their DM policies. Uh, and the net net result is the people that buy the game brand new, so people that actually went out and bought your game, many of which you probably pre-ordered it, by the way. I did. Which are the gold standard in the video game industry. I don't know if you do that. I never pre-order crap. but I, I don't pre-order anything, but I'm saying they like it when people do. Oh, yeah. And so if you're going to punish a group of people, the last people you want to punish are the people that pre-order. I'm part, right? of, the, I, I'm part of the problem. I admit that. There you go. So... With the when you buy it, and the net net result is that when you buy that game and you bring it home and you pop it in, you can't even play the game. Mm-hmm. You you've been looking forward to it. You took a day off work. You got your eating shirt on. You've surrounded yourself with snacks, and all you're going to do is play SimCity all day. Mm-hmm. And you pop it in. You install the game. You click play, and you get an error message. That would piss me off pretty bad. Oh yeah. Um. So, I guess, like I said, DRM, or, or, or really anti-piracy, when we say DRM, we're talking anti-piracy. This, is, is. this yep. is something that's been around since the early days of, um, of PC gaming, especially. Uh, or, yep, or really absolutely. even consoles. Uh, uh, the NES very famously has the, the NES chip, which uh, prevents, it's a lockout chip that prevents games from playing. Um, unless it has a special chip. And this is, if you've ever had a problem with a game uh, where it flashes on and off at a one, what, at a rate of one per second, that is the 10 NES chip not making correct contact with the game. 
Right. Even that's from, not that's not some kind of ridiculous error. That is, as a matter of fact, the NES's way of telling you you're playing with a counterfeit cartridge, or at least what it thinks is, and and that was that's a problem for a long time. So, so this is something that's been annoying people for a very long time. I mean, you would get PC games, and it, what you would you would have to enter codes, like in the middle, uh, you'd have to like go through a manual this thick and go to page oh yes. fifty two and line and then on Prince of Persia. Yeah, um, I remember that, and it would randomly select them, so. People It'd be like, go it. to word, page this, paragraph this, word this, and then first letter of that word. And Andy, Andy is talking about uh, Indiana Jones: The Fate of Atlantis, talking about that uh, right now. Yeah, so people yeah. remember these things for a long time going back. So the point is, people pirate games. Yes, and people don't, and the companies don't want them to pirate the games because they feel like that is something that obviously impacts their bottom line. Of course. Now, all that said, there are definitely. Um, some game manufacturers, some game producers that advertise that they have no, they have DRM free um, games. The Humble Bundle, which is a pretty yep. popular thing, that it's like a group of games that are being sold, and some proceeds go to charity and etc. Right. They've been advertising, especially lately, uh, how much their how their games are DRM free, and yes. that's a selling point. Those are indie games, however. They are indie and games, largely. As a result, by definition, they are not published by the larger publishing houses, which are the ones that are mostly concerned about this. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times those indie games are really are distributed by means of, of exactly what you're talking about. And, so, yes. you know, the piracy part of what, you know, they figure there are going to be people that pirate the game anyway. But it's going to be a small percentage. Most people are very honest and they want to buy the game and therefore they'll all make money. So, so let me ask you this. What do you... This is the question I've been slowly building toward. Uh, is this something that do you think it is in the company's best interest to have the these you know harsh anti-piracy restrictions where you have to be on at, at probably some most people would say the worst is you have to be online a server to play your single player game. Yeah. Or as and I'm sorry I can't I missed the name it was scrolling by so fast but someone brought up what Gabe Newell of Valve very frequently says which is the best thing companies can do is make the game get, provide a service that people enjoy so much that they don't want to uh, they can't uh, pirate it I suppose right. such as Steam which is ironic because a lot of people were pissed off at Steam early on because it's kind of like that as well where if you're not connected to that you can't really <laughs> play well Gabe, Gabe Newell is a wonderful visionary in the industry but he's not always consistent no can you say that no um, but but anyway. that's okay. That's so, okay. We love him anyway. We absolutely love the man. He's going to get a BAFTA award this week, so we got to we have thank to you. you know <laughs> get to celebrate him in every way that we can. But so so yeah. What do you think is? Do you think which do you think is best in the company's best interest here? So I you know I think times have changed a little bit, right? I mean if if you look back, I think into the into the late nineties, early two thousands, the reason that people were pirating, you know, it was a very small group of folks. It was a niche group of folks. And folks that were very technologically savvy, right, um, that, you know, could kind of go through all the motions. Because at that point, there really weren't these kind of always-on features. It was really just kind of interesting code written into the games that would, you know, um, wouldn't allow it to run as a, as a copy. And people would crack it and then, you know, so on and so forth. So you had very few people doing it. And I think at that point, that was pretty effective, you know. 
that the barrier of entry for folks that wanted to pirate those games was enough that most people would probably go and buy it. The thing is that the times have really changed. And I think one of the reasons that the anti-DRM thing works now is because companies use that as an advertising measure as much as they do a policy. Does that make sense? So, yes. So, so when those, that humble indie bundle goes, oh, guess what? We're DRM free. Well, they know that, that not a whole lot of people are going to be copying those games anyway. Mm-hmm. So for them to proudly you know, just say, oh, we're DRM free because you know, we think EA is evil. And, and that's just, I think that's so ridiculous. Like, it's, just a, it's just a marketing thing. We're DRM free. Come, come buy our game. Well, you know what? I, I, I don't think the stakes are nearly as big for you as they are for an EA. So when we go to True. EA at the end of the day, those kind of guys, you know, I think they got to do something. I'm just not sure they're doing the right things. Well, you have to admit, this is pretty effective as far as anti-piracy measures go. Uh, is it very effective at locking out legitimate play? Um, yes. The The thing is, is that I'm sure someone will find a way around it eventually, but most games with simple DRM, uh, they get cracked like the first day and you can go, yep. I think someone game copy world or something like that, where you can get the modified EXEs and <sighs> come on, we've all done it. Um, I, re- I remember that site from so, so long ago. That was, that's, you're bringing up great nostalgic memories for me with game copy world, but go ahead. Yes, but so the point is is that... We're not condoning any of this behavior, by the way. No, not necessarily. I'm just saying it's something that happens. So the thing is is that I think there is a place for DRM and maybe even for the the server type, which which everyone really seems to hate right now. I'm, I'm not dismissing it out of hand because there actually is some reason. The topic of the day is SimCity. And there is actually yes. reason to play it, to be connected to a server, because you can play it online with people. And granted, a lot of people don't want to play it online. They just want to do the single player, and I understand completely, that. Too. Completely true. But I guess the idea is that it's so integrated with other people because, you know, these cities are part of a region, and you all work together, and blah, 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 blah. And that's great. And so they encourage you instead to do it that way, and that's, you know, being always online is a way to do that. Oh, and by the way, it's a great anti-piracy measure as well. I think that's so, at least better than Diablo and how, how it, that was. Going. It is. Yeah. I mean, so SimCity's got a good claim. But here, let me let me let me do a little critical analysis for you here. I'm sorry, right? but J- JSC says he has no pro he I believe it's a he has no problem with DRM. This is what I'm I I'm agree in agreement here. He has no problem with DRM, but when it breaks the game or hinders the gameplay, that's a problem. Right. Go ahead. Right. So so let me throw a curveball in here. So when I whenever I've read anything about DRM being awful. Mm-hmm. especially in the context of Diablo and of SimCity. What I see is not a critique of DRM at all. In fact, what I see is, is, a, is an attack on the preparedness of companies for the number of people that are going to be using their game mm-hmm. and buying their game at launch. Now, God bless them, that's a tough thing to do. It's a very tough thing to forecast how well your game is going to sell. And by the way... You add an additional wild card to the fact that they have to basically say at some point that they're not only have to prepare for exactly the number of people that are going to use their game, but they have to purchase the number of servers to accommodate those things, right? Mm -hmm. Which is troubling in and of itself. 
But let me ask you this question, because okay. I don't think anybody that has written about out against anti-DRM that I've seen recently has been able to talk coherently about this. No, what there's, I see, there's, there's a lot of war garble, which oh, is the guys, nature yeah. of the internet, essentially. I co completely and totally agree. <clears throat> my, my issue is this. If companies had the server capability mm -hmm. to allow people in as at the moment you bought the game until the moment the game stopped being played by anybody mm -hmm. and it, it, it worked exactly as it was supposed to, would you really give a crap about DRM? Oh, I'm sure people would. Um, man, Leet Scientist was just had a huge comment about how this is part of the well, I mean, I don't know if I necessarily agree. It's 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 a much overreach or it's a farther reaching question about the la the the degrading of privacy, I suppose, and and you know, and here we have uh, Senator Rand Paul going through a filibuster right now, talking about drone <laughs> st strikes, which I think is, uh, I think, kind of amusing how this can fit in there. But uh, you're always going to have some people that really dislike things like that that require something of you and and to know information about you and and things like that. Right. But the vast majority, no, I don't believe would give a crap. Um, I don't think so either. So what we're really asking these companies to do is prepare for their game mm -hmm. and actually buy the servers that they need to handle people. Yes. That's it. I'm going to throw this out at you, though. I'm willing to bet yep. this next week or so is going to be the heaviest load yes. EA is going to see. Yes. So at some level, there's some bean, uh, bean pushers. They're like, they're like paper bean pushers counters. and bean counters. Yep. Right. All together in one. Um, right. And... They, they they look and they say, man, we are going to expect this many people to play the game and that's going to drop off or whatever right. until we come out with an expansion or whatever. Right, right. Do we really want to get this many servers and then have them laying, half of them laying fallow after the first couple of weeks? Well, I mean, I wish they would call me. That's a sub question. But anyway. <laughs> um, tangent. Yeah, tangent. But anyway, uh, so there are, there are definitely ways around this. Um, and I think that's a good point. But it's a regardless. Let's say you even use the Google model of of making your own Frankenstein boxes from whatever the hell you want to and calling it a server, right? Mm -hmm. um, or Amazon does the same thing, for example. Then even then, when you're buying really really cheap hardware that's just commoditized and all it's about is just kind of putting miles and miles and miles of them together. Miles and piles of you. Sorry, go ahead. It is. It's still very expensive. Comparative to having an adequate amount and having a couple people upset the first week and then people continue to buy the game, right? Sure. The only time it turns into a problem is when you have a full-on four-alarm fire like they've got right now where the entire internet is lighting up with the fact like, don't freaking buy SimCity mm -hmm. because it's just awful because you can't play it. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. And, you know, the other thing is, I just mentioned Amazon, by the way, and, and UINKU, I'm going to say UNQ, um, has said in the chat room a, a very good point. You rent the servers. I think that's a great point, right? So Amazon okay, web, service, web servers have, you know, compute base. It's like, hey, we're going to use this much compute this month. So we're just going to have these servers for this month or the next three months, and we're going to pay that stock fee, and then we're just going to scale whoever is left into our own in-house servers um, with our own publication. All right. I agree. And I, I honestly, I don't know how EA does it. 
Maybe they do. I doubt that's what they do, but that's a smart idea. Um, two things I want to hit before we actually talk about SimCity real quick, and then we can go on to questions. Okay. But um, JSC said, made a point that a lot of people just hate EA. Yes. A lot of people just hate EA, and that's a big and part I, of it. And I think a lot of the hatred is well-deserved. Sure. I think, I think a lot of the hatred is just that same just noise. Yes. Um, I mean, people were slamming this before it ever came out and they guys, didn't give it a I chance. want you to understand something. EA is a video game publishing company. They are in business of <laughs> selling you video games. If you don't buy those video games, EA will go out of business. Just like every other video game publisher in the universe. Stop bitching about EA and start buying games that you actually like because if you stop buying them from EA, EA won't have those terrible practices. It's like sometimes I feel like we're, you know, have you ever watched Metalocalypse, for example? Maybe. No. No? Okay. Metalocalypse has that, 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 that you know, that like uh, cloistered room where they have all these, these like corporate people and like, you know, the, the, the religious people and the media people and they're all just sitting there going, how can we screw people today? Like people, <laughs> you know, it's like, it's, it's as if that's the, that's the way people have the perception of EA. That's absurd. It's just ridiculous. EA is not sitting there every day going, how can I screw the consumers today? How can I, how can I make sure they buy SimCity and then can't connect? That's not at all what they do. Right. What they're doing is trying to protect their business, right? And by the way, if they didn't do a damn good job of it, they wouldn't be in business anymore. Well, I wouldn't say a damn good job, but... Well, but you know what I mean. Yes. They have to do a job that is put together well enough to where they can remain profitable to mm -hmm. some extent. Uh, and then 2D2Will said before, uh, when I was asking the question, when you were asking the question about if they had the server capacity from beginning to end, would anyone really care? And he said, I believe a he, I'm just assuming. Um, <laughs> sorry. It's a generic term. You could it say is. his, I guess. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, said, well, you know, what if I don't have a high speed internet connection? I just want to play single player. Okay, granted. But at the same time, there are PC specs for games in general. And really... I think a decent internet connection is probably something that just needs to be considered part of the game's specs at this point. Uh, it is. And, and if you look at any of these games, that's, that's the way that it is. Yep. Now, you know, look, guys, Commod most of us have been following the video game industry long enough. Commodore spits the truth. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I mean, it happens from time to time. You know, even the, even the blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. Um, we've followed the video game industry enough to know that these, the constraints on what a video game has required has changed dramatically, even in the last five years, right? Mm -hmm. I remember being, the, the first time I was ever in a video game store of some kind, I don't remember, this was in high school. You were probably there. Maybe. And I looked at a video game's requirements and I saw that it required a gigabyte of disk space. And I went, this is absurd. Why would a video game ever require a gigabyte of storage space? These video game creators are just getting lazy. And you're just dumping a bunch of files on disk and just forget. So, but now you'd laugh at a gigabyte. Like, oh, it all it takes is a gig? Yeah, absolutely. Rock and roll. And, and I think that kind of rolls into a very good point that Fast Freddy just made. And I actually wanted to talk about, but I forgot. So thank you, Freddy. Uh, but basically saying, I'm just going to assume it's a she this time because that's fun. Um, she said, 
Uh, I'm going, it already passed, I'm going from memory. Um, <laughs> what happens when these servers are eventually taken offline and someone wants to take, play these as a classic or something like that? Yeah, and, th and that changes the whole game, right? So it that's is. where you have the good old game story. Yes. And that's why I think you bringing that up is a great story. Good old games does this, everything they do is 100% legal. Mm -hmm. They're not like Abandonia, which has some questionable content. Although Abandonia is phenomenal and you guys should go check it out. But um, they do everything on a legal basis. They go and license these games. They find the owners, they license the games, and they say, we're going to open your game up to a completely new audience. We're going to take a piece of the, pie, of the pie, and we're going to make sure, our team is going to make sure that we localize it for new computers to be able to play. It might not be exactly the same as it was back in the day, but it will be yes. as close as can be replicated on current technology. They might even just sell the servers to someone who's willing to run them for a side profit or whatever. And We've seen that happen with a lot of games. Yeah. We've seen that happen with a lot of games. And, and Kaz the uh, Gamer Guy basically just said what you said. They're going to reroute to their private servers or something like that. So Bingo. And I mean, private servers are a big deal too, folks. I mean, you could, you know, imagine if you had the right internet connection or, you know, you, you loved a game so much you wanted to keep it out there and you wanted other people to play it. You could do that. You could easily host your own you know, server for some of those old games, EverQuest, you know, all these other kinds of things. If, if, if they wanted to decommission it mm -hmm. and you wanted to play it, I thought the same thing. Cause I, I am a proud player of the original guild wars. <laughs> yeah, uh, you might old. see some of those games on my, uh, on my uh, shelf over there. But in any case, I love the original guild wars, but I always wondered what the heck's going to happen with guild wars when I can't connect to the servers anymore. And, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. But, you know, someday someone's either going to make that into a private Guild Wars server or they're going to fix it so that I don't have to worry about connecting to the server anymore mm -hmm. and I can just play with my own little minions Some, or someone, I can connect to the land. Someone will find a way and with the rate at which technology is becoming increasingly cheap for what we have today, um, I don't think it'll be much of a problem. I mean, it's a guess, but right. it's a it's a it's an educated guess. Um, it's an educated guess, but I agree. So before we move on, I feel I do have to talk about SimCity because I did pre-order it because I'm a fool. Um, although you're part of the problem, not the solution. I am. I don't really normally, but it's SimCity. I gotta. So here's my my little mini quasi review. I haven't played a lot of it. I did uh, lazy game reviews. Uh, Clint was very kind to give me some uh, a pre a beta code, so I played yep. like for 24 hours beforehand. That that I played more of that than I have of the actual game so far. But nice. Uh, it's very different from other SimCity games, uh, but it is fun. I don't know. It's it doesn't grab my attention like Civilization games do. But then again, it never really did, except for maybe the first one on on. Uh, SimCity seems to me to be more engineering based versus you know cultural based mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. civ is kind of culture versus engineering uh, yes yes um i love civ anyway yeah but, i mean um, civ is a different different story altogether so here's my funny thing with it is that i have had no problems connecting to the servers <laughs> but i'm connecting to like because it gives you a choice of what servers you want to connect to there's like there's a couple in the eastern u.s a couple in the western u.s a couple in eastern europe a couple in western europe yeah i'm like oh and it says if it's busy in the US and I'm like okay I'll just connect to Western Europe click ding okay I'm playing Thank the game now it's like now the only the only downside know. of that is if is if what you know what they're saying is true and that the game really is created by your regional distinction mm 
then your game could be negatively affected by that, right? I mean, maybe not in SimCity, but in other games where Potentially. You, know, you are playing with people that are in your particular region, you could actually get diverted to people that have nothing to do with your geographical region, in which case it would be kind of interesting. Well, yes, but, I mean, you have the option right there to change any region you want, and they're worldwide servers. So, sure. I mean, like, I, I, and yes. I, I, I was, you know, browsing some of the regions in the Western European server last night, and they were definitely, like... There were names that were definitely American, <laughs> you know. There was right. like there was like Coastal Carolina was one of the regions, yeah. and I was like, okay, that's yeah. funny. Uh, things like that. So no, it's it's totally true. But, it, and I think yeah. at the end of the day, these the more and more games kind of go out into the cloud. I know that's an amorphous term too, but the cloud, the idea of, of yeah. Well, I mean, this is this is, Sim City is the first game to actually make this claim. I think, to my knowledge, but they claim that they're doing a ton of computation on their side that is affecting your game. Mm -hmm. That's okay. their claim. But, and this is this I thought was interesting. So if you lose a connection to a server, you don't just get dumped into the into the world, which or the, the real hey, world, which is what I was Everything you just did about. for the last 24 hours just gets completely wiped out. Exactly. Now it can happen, I think, uh, but that didn't happen to me. I did lose connection to the server uh, at one point and it gave, for like five minutes, and it gave me a little icon and it said, oh, you're, we're reestablishing your connection. I just kept playing my game as it was um, yep. and I didn't lose anything and then it was back. So I'm not saying there aren't server problems, but I'm saying they're not worldwide, ubiquitous. You can't not play this game. Right. I did. So it hasn't been prohibitive to you yet. Not to me, at least personally. So, you know, eh. it, so it, it's a fun game. It looks like it looks amazing. I mean, I, I've read several reviews of it now, and the, I'll tell you this: the, the glass I think box engine is pretty spectacular. Yeah, I, it is, and I, I'm I'm still more interested in Civ than I am SimCity. But I I will say I'll just wrap up my thoughts about all this. Mm -hmm. I think that I think that at the end of the day, what most people complain about has nothing to do with privacy and nothing to do with D, with DRM. What they actually have complaints about is the implementation of that and getting their, getting in their way of playing the game that they purchase. Mm -hmm. If DRM is getting in the way of the game that you purchase, then so be it. But I think that oftentimes it's not the actual DRM that's getting in your way. It's the poor implementation of yes. that DRM that's think, getting in your way. And I think that's what's really bad about it. <clears throat> Completely agree. So at the, at the end of the day, I have to agree with you. If DRM is done the right way where it is invisible for those that buy it, invisible to those that don't or i'm sorry very invisible to those that buy it visible to those that do not mm -hmm. that i'm 100 percent on board and swizzlet says it very well drm is awesome poor implementation is not also we do read right. the comments okay. yes we do. someone was asking all right that. so now we're going to move to uh, unless you want to have anything to add nope, about that. that is it let's okay. let we're, that's, we that's we are a little bit behind but let's move on yeah, it's okay. Behind is, is relative. All right, cool. So we're going to talk about now with our with our little Q&A part of the show. That is what, you know, people tell me they like this. This is a good, this is a favorite part of the show for them. People, I heard in things. In any case, I've had a lot of questions that have been asked to me already. A lot. But if you have a question about the topic du jour, that's the topic of the day. Or if you have a question about anything, anything at all, anything your little heart desires, you think you'd like to, to, for us to answer it on live on the air, then all you have to do is send a message, if you're in the chat right now, here to me, Commodore128, in the upper right-hand corner, just click my name, click PM, and send the question there. Are you ready for some questions, Rue? Because we have so many freaking questions, it's unbelievable. Yes, I'm just going to tweet about it right now real quick, because I'm on the Twitterverse. 
You're on the, the tweeter. Okay. Uh, man, we're getting even more questions. This is great. Kaz the Gamer Guy, who got his question in early because he is very savvy and a wonderful follower of the Clan of the Grey Wolf, which we are very thankful for. Guys, what are your thoughts of the announcement of EA putting microtransactions in all their games? Well, that's they, they backtracked that slightly. They said they well, just want to put okay. microtransactions in all their mobile games. Right, that's true. It's much better. Yeah. But I think at the end of the day, and oh, I didn't finish the question. As I quote, to get a higher level and consumers are enjoying embracing the way that way of business. So they're backtracking on it. But what I, what I think they're also doing is they're saying that they are trying to investigate how they can make more money from existing properties. Mm-hmm. That's it. And at the end of the day, I don't blame them for trying. But I'll tell you right now, I don't want in-game advertisements if I pay for a game. So one of the reasons I like, say, an Angry Birds, something like that, is because if you get the free version, it's just got ads in it, and you live with that, right? I don't like it, but you live with the ads. If I buy Angry Birds, guess what I don't have? Ads. Seems pretty easy to me. Mm -hmm. Uh, One thing I'll say about microtransactions is that generally the gaming populace hates them, but Mm -hmm. they work. Yes. They work very well, and that's... Man, I was listening to something on the radio the other day. It was talking about the um, evolution of the app economy, so to yep. speak, uh, it, for iPhone, iPhone App Store and things like that. And when these apps were first coming out, they cost like $7, $10, whatever, and no one was buying them. So eventually someone figured out, hey, what if I just sell this for $0.99 cents and then you can like buy mic- microtransactions, things exactly. like that. And, oh, it's because Apple just lost this lawsuit about um, uh, I can't remember exactly what it is, but basically there's this thing where kids were doing lots of microtransactions, buying things in a game, and there was like right. a lawsuit against Apple because parents were like spending thousands of dollars without realizing it. Yeah, right. Anyway, but it which works. is which is which really adds up to wonderful parenting, by the way. Yes. So, but anyway, so yes, so phenomenal. microtransactions work. That's why EA wants them because they like money because they're a company. Again, guys, if you don't like it, don't buy. The Beer Ninja, who also actually yes, inspired... the Smurf game. Sorry, Mike J. It's the Smurf game. Something about Smurf berries. Anyway, go ahead. The Beer Ninja, who also inspired this week's weekly ringer question, which you should all check out, um, asked this question. Your life is an open world game. What stats do you want kept? I.e. pizzas eaten, dollars raised for charity, conversations with cats, etc. I don't know what you're talking about, Beer Ninja. I've thought about this recently. Not recently, but in the past. Some of them, well, never mind. Have you, have you come to any conclusions? Or is that Some of them probably the shouldn't open. be said on the air. Um, oh, okay, yeah. You right, go first. Um, I would say, yes, I, I would like to know a couple of things. I would like to know how many hours I spent playing the original Mario Kart. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And GoldenEye. And GoldenEye, Mario Kart 64, and Smash Brothers. And... So yeah. pretty much every game. I would like to know how many hours I put into every game. Yes. That um, would be something I would like to know. That was – and it's funny because I love looking at these stats, but uh, in Smash Brothers Melee, you, probably Brawl too, you could look at that, and yep. we racked up too many hours. A lot of hours. Kind of scary. Um, pounds of Poop Made. Pounds of Poop Made would be awesome too. You know, I think that's a great concept. I think – because you have to think about how much you're actually putting back into the world. I'm giving back. You know? Well, I'm, you know, when you take a dump, it's just it's just a different gift. 
<laughs> anyway, next question. Uh, very good. Okay, cool. So let's see here. Um, let's go. So, all right, here, here comes one from Eva Full. Or that could be Eva Full, I guess, if you were going to read that in kind of a weird way. I would just say Eva Full because it's EVA. What console of this generation, including the Wii U, so that's not really the, this generation, but that's okay. I'm oh, going to give you a pass. Face. I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you a pass. What console of this next generation do you think will become the next Dreamcast, and why? You mean the thing that makes a company go out of business? Well, that kind of becomes software business, only is the sub question. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yep. Go out of hardware. Um, hmm. I don't know. We were saying not too long ago that Sony's kind of on the edge now, isn't it? I think Sony is making its big bet on the PS4 because if if they fail in the PS4, they could easily be out of the market. It's it's impossible to think about, guys. It's it's like it's something that is so hard to imagine. It's unbelievable. But if Sony makes a bad bet in the PS4 and they do poorly, they could easily exit the video game space. Think about, let that one roll around in your head for a little while. It's been losing a lot of money for them, I believe. Hemorrhaging money. Um, Even though it's one of the best units inside the company. Which is sad. Sad. For Sony in general. Sad. The issue is, well, it's not that they've been hemorrhaging money. It's, I should, I'll go back and correct that. It's that they didn't make money for such a long time. So they're making money now on the PS3. Yeah. But it, it only it took them a very, very long time, and they already have to produce another generation in order to make money. That's not going to cut it. I don't see Microsoft leaving the space anytime soon. Uh, you, people have been talking about Nintendo going software only for too long. It's hard for me to take any claims of that happening seriously, but you never know. It's possible. If PS4 With, completely crashes and burns, that could be, that could be it. Yes. That, that could be not a boon will, for, I'm just for, saying. I think that could be a boon for a company like Nintendo who is kind of struggling for what they want to do in terms of their space. But the idea of a, you know, the Wii U Xbox 720, the way that you have the Wii 360, right, could easily be a combination I could see happening again, right? Um, I think their position is only bolstered by Sony going out of the mix. I, I own a Wii U. Google user asked. Take that. <laughs> um, all right, Akira VGA, our good friend at Akira VGA asked this in in uh, let's see Nintendo. Oh yeah, in this Nintendo declared Year of Luigi. <laughs> what untapped and this is to give you a kind of idea of what what mindset Nintendo is in right now. Mm -hmm. What untapped gaming genre would you want to see the second Mario Brother take center stage in? <clears throat> That's a great question. A simulation game in the in the vein of SimCity. You'd like to see a Luigi Mushroom Kingdom Luigi City. simulator of some sort. Luigi City Simulator not 2014. Not, not necessarily a city simulator, but just a simulator. You have to simulate something. Like maybe like the Mushroom uh, Kingdom's finances or something like that. That's that is terrible. Luigi has not had anything not? to do with the Mushroom Kingdom's finances ever. Maybe he is the royal court financier guy. You're you're not but even playing to Luigi's character. Maybe right now. he's the Chancellor of the Exchequer. Ever think of that? Maybe. You know what I would like to see? <laughs> Luigi doesn't wear ties. I would like to Ugh. see the um 
Thank you all. It sounds like a great game. I would like to see a Luigi surgical game. Here's why. Okay. Because I would like to see the Luigi failed doctor game. Like you're Luigi, you you see the like the gloved hands come out and they're like shaking. And they're like afraid oh, to do anything. Mario. And you're like slice people's hearts out and you're like when you're trying to like, you know, like you know, cut out their appendix. You know, like it would just be hilarious. I think um botch surgeries. I think Siegfried wins. I think Siegfried wins with Leisure Suit Luigi. Okay. Having said that. Yeah, that, that's pretty good. I like that. Next. All right. Um, let's see. Markies asks, what's your favorite book of all time? Marky Mark. And the Markies. Bunch. Markies. Do I really want good to say what... Send a good vibrations. Do I really want to say what my favorite book is? You go first. Yeah, go ahead. No, you go first. Well, it's, it's going to be the same one for both of us. <laughs> okay, you go first. You go first then. <laughs> so I am the one that has to go out there on the limb? Yes. Um, I, I will say my, my favorite... I, I, I'm opening this up too. I am currently reading all of the Song of Ice and Fire books, mm. which in many ways are poorly written, but are really entertaining hmm. and it's 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 hurting my soul but in any case my favorite book up until years ago was was a rhetoric of motives by kenneth burke i've changed that now to atlas drugged by gonna, i was gonna say that 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 was not my choice the uh motives book no no um yeah i got two uh, one is Atlas Shrugged, mainly because it's very interesting. I don't, I'm not an objectivist necessarily or anything like that. Um, Nor am I. We don't talk politics on Clan of the Great no, Wolf. No, we do not. Uh, it's just avoided at all costs. Yes, it's just an interesting, thought-provoking book. Um, yes. Again, poorly written in many ways. Um, you know, as far as a prose, but um, philosophical, uh, yeah, narrative. Yes, yeah. but. Uh, I'm also going to throw out there, <laughs> this is fun, um, what I affectionately refer to as historical smut, which is um, Outlander, by or the Outlander series by Diana Gabaldon, mm -hmm. uh, which is actually, uh, I'm not even going to describe it. It's not, it's not really smut. It's, um, it's, it's just, it's, it's, it involves time travel. And it involves really well-written prose. It's just like extraordinarily well-written, and I can't get over how well, like when I'm reading it, it's very good. Um, I've also read a lot of Harry Turtledove alternate history kind of stuff, so it's somewhat similar. But he's and I enjoy his books, but he's not a good writer, and he definitely has a formula, you know. Anything. anything. That's not good. When things get formulaic, they get <clears throat> kind of boring. Doctor Who. I don't read Doctor Who. I watch Doctor Who. Right, but but there's a question about that. It's why, why oh, there's I, a question. Yeah, there's a question about Doctor Who. Well, it's actually why I won't let you talk about Doctor Who, which is crazy because I've never actually inhibited you from talking about Doctor Who. Are you starting? So I don't know why that question came up. What was the question? Um, well, that's got to be the next question now. No, it's not. It, it, people demand I'm not it. letting that happen. The people are demanding it. No, I'm not letting that happen. So insert clever username asks, you. have you played Fire Emblem Awakening for 3DS? No. If so, what are your thoughts? Rawr. I haven't, but I hear it's very amazing, and I should get it. So I probably will. I haven't either, and I probably won't. Um, i got to find my 3DS first. <laughs> wow. You, you buried it under a lot of crap, huh? I've, I've been missing it since MAGFest. I hope I didn't lose it somewhere. But anyway. Luigi, because it's the year of Luigi, Again? asks, what video game have you played that you wished a sequel was made for it? 
Mine, for example, is Okami, which is an awesome selection, Luigi. Hmm. Good one, huh? So, like, one game, and it was just one, one game. game. You wish they had made a sequel for it. They haven't. You'd like to see it. <laughs> did they make a sequel to Medieval on PS1? I don't think they did. Maybe they did make Medieval 2. I don't remember. That was a great sure. game. Um... I would like to see a real Chrono Cross sequel. I don't, or I'm sorry, Chrono was, Trigger, Chrono Trigger. I was going to say the same thing. Chrono Cross isn't really a sequel, so yeah, I guess you could probably say Chrono Trigger. And something with time travel in it, people. Jeez. Um, man. We live in an, one of the reasons that people hate EA so much is because they make endless sequels. So you and I are straining right now to think of games that have <laughs> I really am. Because they do what they what they say they're going to do. Um, I mean, it might even, be even if the, even if the sequels suck, it, it, they happened, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, there have been a lot of crappy sequels that we wish didn't happen. Let's put it that way. Um, even Epic Mickey got a sequel. I mean, that was that's you know that is true. Um, I'd probably have to dig deep if I were going to go to get get one. Uh, man. Um, EVO search for Eden is one is probably not the greatest one. Lester the Unlikely too. I really you would have enjoyed loved that game. Don't lie. Uh, I really, really would have loved to see a sequel to that. Uh, Baby's Kids Two. Baby's Kids Two is Planet of the Wolf before it even gets off the ground. <laughs> is the worst idea I have ever heard in my life. And it's, I've heard some a lot of very bad ideas. It's so amusing how genuine, how much genuine hatred you have for that game. I hate that game so much. I I want I I hope somewhere, the people who made that game are choking right now because I'm talking about it. And and I'll continue talking about it, just hoping that somewhere they're choking. There was a Lost Vikings too. And you know what, Psychonauts too. That that's probably a good one. Psychonauts too. is great. Beyond Good and Evil is my vote. Beyond Good and Evil. Oh, my... that's a good one too. Okay, there we go. Because they're supposedly working on it, supposedly on the back burner. No one really knows. Right, I would love to see a sequel to Beyond Good and Evil. We got a few. All right, a few more questions. All right, here we go. Uh, let's see. Um, do do do. Oh, here we go. Jax Mandrake asks, "What is your opinion of the download game Retro City Rampage?" Mm, I played a little bit at E3, but not much. Um, I haven't played much of it either. Same, same thing. Demo demonstration only. I was thinking of getting it for Wii U, actually. Um, what what a great story! I think it's a great story behind the game and how it was, it was developed. Yeah. Um, I think it's it's a labor of love, and those kinds of things that happen in the video game industry are often awesome. I think if you were a person that grew up at that time, you know when when that the series is kind of satirically kind of making fun of. You will absolutely love that game. And I think I wish more games like that would be made. Sweet. Swizzlet asks, what was the last game to come out that legitimately amazed you? Like surprisingly good? It doesn't say. It just says amazed. Uh, well, the last game to come out of the last game I played. The last game I played is To the Moon. That amazed me. It's very, very good. Which I tried to buy repeatedly on Steam, but it wouldn't let me. Tried. because. 
Try again. Let me call Gabe Newell. Tell him to suck it up and ask him why my money's no good there. There you go. Um, in any case, I hear Nino Cooney is absolutely amazing. I really want to play that. I have heard that too. I've heard that repeatedly from people in our community. Mm-hmm. In any case, they probably know my undying deep love for Japanese games. Um, and um, anime. The the last one that legitimately blew my mind, man, I would say would probably be Braid. Braid just put me on a different level. That changed the game. I mean, Skyrim is an awesome. That was very good. Awesome game, but Braid blew my mind. Yeah, if you're talking about, I mean, I'm thinking in terms of games that were surprisingly good that I thought, you know, okay, wow me game, and it did. Yeah, Skyrim is definitely not that. To the Moon definitely did. Yeah. Um, Walking Dead is very good. I'm I'm not too far into it, but it's good. I don't know if wow is really the term I'm looking for, but uh, Braid is one of those, though. Indie yeah. games have a tendency to wow because you just don't expect much from them. Minecraft Sorry. blew my mind, too. I, I probably I probably yeah. have to say Minecraft. That, that blew my mind since Braid. Bina91 asks, since Wreck-It Ralph came out on DVD this week, what is your favorite video game movie? <laughs> it's Gamer, isn't it? It's Gamer. Just tell me. Have you ever seen Joysticks? No. Joysticks? That's not my favorite. I'm just bringing that up because not many people have seen it. It's it's basically uh, it's a movie from the early 80s. Uh, it's basically Porky's with video game with an arcade as a background. Yep. It's pretty terrible. So I would say King of Kong is my favorite video. Ah! The indie game movie is awesome. I haven't seen Indie Game. I want to see it. Oh, what's wrong with me? Scott Pilgrim? Does Scott, I, I think Scott, Scott Pilgrim versus great the World movie. should count. It's a great movie. It's a great movie. Mm. It's not a video game movie, but it is a video game movie. If you, if you, count, if you count movies that are basically like video game themed, then yes. Um, also, if you are, if you are over 21 and you desire adult beverages... The yes. best thing you can possibly do for yourself in terms of video game movies, get a bunch of friends together that are of also of age and drink a tremendous amount and don't drive home and watch Street Fighter, the movie. You will not be disappointed. That's so terrible. Don't watch it sober, but watch it. You will not be disappointed. Yeah, I'm just going to stick with that because thinking of one game's movies based off of video game properties just hurts too much. Super Mario Brothers movie wasn't wasn't good enough for you? Um, Green Gear asks, I, I, uh, let's see. Oh, I asked if the SNES marathon was going to be archived and I was told yes. It was. But I haven't seen that anywhere. No. Did that fall through? No, it didn't fall through. It's sitting on my hard drive. Um, I am behind obviously. And I have a post on the website about this. I've been very much behind on lots of things. Uh, even sending out prizes for the marathon, which are sitting in my house and I just need to get them out. And I apologize for all of that. It's archived. It's not going anywhere. Um, I just need to get it up. That's all. Sorry. Google user one, as in the first user that ever used Google, mm-hmm. asks, has a game ever made you legitimately cry because it was that moving? Oh, yeah. This fits hand in glove with the question for the Weekly Ringer this week, which is about your favorite game world that you don't want to leave behind. Cries like tears leaving my face. Tears, weeping, crying. <sighs> I've definitely gotten misty-eyed. That might have been. That might be the the extent. I think. Yeah, I've never like openly sobbed. Yeah, I've openly sobbed at a movie. I've never openly sobbed at a video game. Uh, honestly, to the moon. I, wow, I, know I, I I'm talking about that a lot, but 
It's good. That's why. And also, I definitely remember the ending. The Final Fantasy VI really got me. Final Fantasy VI for me. I think I was a teenager and you cried everything. Oh, you cried everything. Like a it's just girl. awful. Yeah, I remember. I, I, I cried when you you know killed Amorov in in uh, Goldeneye. Oh. General Whack Off. Don't shoot me, Whack Off. Um, One more question. Two more questions. Make them good. My question is, what do you think of the console wars? Do you think it's silly and immature? Yes. Says Zelda Attic. Yes. Now by an I think it is too. It's just it's it's just business, guys. It's fun. Yeah. It's, I, like, it's, I, like the, it's like the Cola Wars. And we've had discussion about this. Is that people? We we've had a podcast episode about this. I can't remember when, but people just seem they they're tribal. They whether it's yes. politics or religion or, or video games or. PC it's a religious issue, Mac, and that tends to be something you can't argue. Apple, yep. yeah, it's, it's whatever, unnecessary. JGN Gaming asks, do you think that the new generation of consoles is just a repeat of the last gen or a new blessing? It's Great question. Re- it's not a repeat of the last one. They're trying. What? It's not. They're trying different things. and Who is trying different things? Everyone. They're trying all. Who? They're trying different. Who is trying different things? They're throwing whatever they can at the wall to see what sticks. No, I'm, I'm not taking this from you. I'm not. I'm not doing it. Nintendo is trying a few new things. Nobody else is. What what is what is what is Sony trying that we've seen in the new PlayStation that's new? Go ahead, tell me. Downloadable only games that you can't play used. <laughs> we don't we don't even know if that's happening. They haven't even confirmed that. So we don't uh, know. They that. haven't not confirmed it, which is telling. Just saying. They, they, we also haven't seen a freaking piece of hardware yet, so I would give them a little bit of space in that regard. All right, well, it's too early to tell them. I don't want to say that. Too early to tell. All right, too early to tell, I'll say, is is a good place to be. We'll say that. Okay. All right. Um, Last question. Man, there's so many more. There's so ask, many more questions. the Doctor Who question. I need to know. Um, here we go. Ian Murr, the wizard, asks, if you had a time machine... What game would you go and buy to let everybody know that an underrated game at that time is actually one of the best games ever made? What game would I go and buy? Well, I think I think the real question is, would you go back? If you could go back in time mm-hmm. and you could be the crazy guy, you could be Crazy Roo from the future, <laughs> and you show up at a video game store and go, hey, I'm Crazy Roo from the future, and you're somehow, I, I don't know why I'm seeing this in my mind, you dress like Doc from Back to the Future. Of course. But you show you show up and you're like, this game's freaking phenomenal. You have to buy it. Well, yeah, but you don't have to be from the future. I mean, it's not like people weren't didn't know what the game was. It was released. Yeah, but so I'm going to tell you what my what my answer is. My answer is Beyond Good and Evil. It's it's like I want to go back to when that game was released and I want to shake people and say this game is really good. Mm-hmm. Get it. And and just try to make it more successful than it was exactly because i think we'd have a second one if it had been successful more successful i gotta say earthbound then i really do yeah there you go see i think that's completely legitimate i think it's a good question psychonauts also was very good a bit iffy on some of the uh mechanics but uh the writing and and so forth was just phenomenal as normally is with tim schaefer games so Here's a funny one. I got to say this is really funny. Lead scientist asked right. me how much a two bedroom apartment runs near MIT because he's moving there soon. Oh God, too much. It's just forget about it. <laughs> don't, even, don't even think about how much. It, but but call me when you get here. Okay, good. All right. So sexual harassment. Panda. 
All right. So, uh, yes, we have spent another good long hour, over an hour actually, talking about video games and Cars. DRM and lots of fun things that uh, we hope has been at least at some level enjoyable to all of you. And puzzlers. Don't worry. If we haven't a answered your question, save it. Come back. Because guess what? This isn't the last Echo Screen Live ever. We're going to do lots more of these. Yes. Rue, tell them when we can, when they can come and see us. We're going to skip the next one. Or the, normally it's the first and third weekend. Or sorry, first what? First and third Wednesday of every month. You sound like Taylor Swift in the in the song. Um, we yeah. are never what? ever ever what get like back say, what? together. Anyway, go good. Go hey, yep. by the way, PSA. Yes. Microsoft Windows is telling me that Daylight Savings Time begins on Sunday, March 10th at 2 a.m. I thought you were going to say that Spring Taylor Swift forward. and you have a legitimate chance now. Which I was going to say, you might have something there. Maybe. 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 I'm um, just saying. Beyond that. She's single. <laughs> you make that work. She's always single because she keeps breaking up with her boyfriends or something. That's not true. She's only dated two guys since 2010. Well, why does she have 15,000 songs about breaking up with boyfriends? Anyway. Because she's a very, very feeling. She's like a sympathetic dick. kind of person. She's not attractive. Anyway. Or she's a, or she's a crazy biatch. Anyway, go ahead. Sure. Yep. Good. From the future. Anyway. Uh, so normally we would be on the 20th of this month because that would be the third Wednesday. But that was also right before PAX East. So we are skipping and going to PAX East. So, hey, if you guys are all going to be at PAX East, please come join us. Um, I will, please do. I will be on two panels. Uh, uh, one is with um, John Delia from Retroware TV. And we're going to be uh, Friday at 7 p.m. Uh, what's the name of the panel? It's uh, game. It's something along the lines of games that you want retro games you wish you loved like we you want to love yes and that's being hosted by bob mackey <clears throat> formerly of retro knots and one up unfortunately one up no longer exists um but he was very kind to invite us to that and he's super awesome so thank you for that and then also uh i think on sunday at 2 p.m or so uh there's we already mentioned it but the uh preserving retro video games with the folks from acam and that should be a lot of fun um so yeah if you see us around pax east come up and say hi it's always fun. make sure you do that. Make sure you save those questions that they didn't get answered today, and any of the ones you want to see in the future. We are going to yes. be podcasting and uh, yell them in Commodore's face at PAX. Be like, "Here's my question." Face. If you see me in line, scream them at me. Yes. Uh, that's happened to me before. It'll it's be Lynn Sane. That's right. I'll be glad to sign everything, including breasts, at PAX East. Mine. Just throwing it out there, yes. ladies. 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 Um, so, the, so no, but but in all seriousness, long, long, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, you, you go first. I was gonna say, long answer to your question is the next time we'll be podcasting will be April third. That's a Wednesday. there you go. There all right, go. so April April third, man, that's that feels like so long from now. But anyway, about a month, yes. we will be we will be podcasting then. So make sure you save your questions till then. In the in the meantime, as well, I am also scheming up the one hundredth episode oh of God. the Weekly Ringer, and I am soliciting your help for ideas. So if you have an idea, please uh, go into the suggestions part of the forums at clanofthegraywolf.com. Put your idea there. Or you can actually email me at commodore128 at clanofthegraywolf.com. And you can just follow me on Twitter at It's the Commodore. <laughs> and let me know mm -hmm. what your ideas are for the 100th edition of the Weekly Ringer. Please do. And since we're officially plugging things now, uh, my Go. my Twitter is uh, now at 
brew underscore cotgw uh and the official clan of the gray wolf twitter is now up and running uh that is just at cotgw so you can sign up and you'll you know whenever we update once in a blue moon you'll see that and fun things like that there you go there you good go. So, um, so yeah, there's lots of fun to be had on the, on the Twitter. We hope to see a bunch of you jerks at PAX East. Yes. You, you jerks that we love so much. We hope <laughs> to see all of you at PAX East. Come up to us uh, and uh, let us know that you're, you're hanging around. And please, 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 please continue to watch us here on Clan of the Gray Wolf, uh, the Echo the Screen Live, the official podcast of the Clan of the Gray Wolf. Um, for Rue... I am the Commodore. Ding. Ding. And there is no reset button, ladies. Number one, make it so. Uh, uh, what are you? What, what are you? What, what are you talking about, sir? Number one, please pay attention. I don't bring you onto the bridge so you can lollygag around and do nothing. Uh, but, 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 sir, I, 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 I just, I was just hoping I could play my trombone. Resistance is futile.